All right. Thank you so much, guys. Um, it's really good to be here. Um, you know, whatever here is virtually, but it's really good to be with all of you. Um, I don't know, you know, to all the people I know from Madison, um, hello and seeing you guys. Uh, I don't know, it's like a warm, fuzzy feeling or something. <laughs> um, it feels like home seeing many of you and just, I know I, know I don't know all of you, but there's something very familiar uh, about being part of this uh, service with CLC. Um, I, I didn't plan to say this, but I just want to say this. Um, you know, we moved down here to Atlanta and uh, it's a big city, a lot of Asian Americans, all that stuff, a lot of churches. <clears throat> but one of the things that, you know, we, we, we've had to also look for a church to be a part of. And uh, it's not easy. It's not easy finding a church to be a part of that you feel like is a good fit. You feel like you could be part of the family. And um, I just want to say that all of you are, and I'm not just saying this, but all of you are are really blessed and fortunate and lucky to have a church like CLC, to have people like Pastor Jung and Christine who love you and serve you and and all those things. So I, I just want to say, you know, you are you are really blessed and you're really fortunate and enjoy it, uh, make the most of it, be committed, be a part of it and thrive thrive together in it so just just want to say that so anyways thank you so much for having me um we're going to look at a passage uh the title of this message is that your joy may be full and uh, let me just read the verse and then we'll pray and then we'll go into it further okay um john 16 16 24 so i gotta reorient my screen here um okay says this a little while and you will see me no longer and again a little while and you will see me so some of his disciples said to one another what is this that he says to us a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me because i'm going to the father so they were saying what does he mean by a little while we do not know what he is talking about Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you'll weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you'll receive that your joy may be full. Can I just start us off with a word of prayer together? Uh, Father, thank you so much for this just incredible privilege and uh, joy and opportunity to be here with uh, the CLC brothers and sisters. Thank you for CLC. Thank you for your faithfulness to this church. Thank you for just Pastor Jung and his leadership, his shepherding of this church, along with other pastors and just leaders. And just thank you so much for all that you're doing. 
And uh, we pray that even as CLC uh, just moves towards regathering in the coming months and just pray that they would have just, just a bright future and ministry that is ahead. And just pray that you would really unite them in spirit. May it be a place where joy in the Lord is truly experienced together. And uh, we just thank you for this time. Bless us as we look into your word. Pray that you'd feed us and just really strengthen us through your word today. In Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen. Um, as we start off today, um, can I ask you just to take a little silent survey? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to type anything in the chat box. Just a silent survey. Think to yourself, um, like on a scale of, of 1 to 10. Think in terms of like your, your personal your personal joy right now. You know, if your heart is like, if your heart is like a cup of water, right? And it's being filled. On a scale of one to 10, how full is your heart with joy? You know, 10 is like the highest level of joy. You know, you're so joyful. Someone could steal your phone, you know, take one of your children, put a knife through your car tires. You'd still be smiling with joy. Uh, one is the lowest point. It's where you're so discouraged and so depressed. Uh, you're wondering why you're even logged into the Zoom call right now. So just take a moment. Think about that number. Okay. What is that number? Do you have it? Be honest with yourself. Now, now hold on to that number because we're going to come back to it in, in just a moment. Today, we're looking at this passage, which occurs at the end of John 16. Now, I believe in order to understand what Jesus is saying here in chapter 16, we also have to keep in mind what John was saying at the end of chapter 15. Now, notice when you look at the end of John 15, and then you look at the words of our passage today at the end of John 16, <clears throat> both passages end with the exact same words. John 15, 11, in that part it says, so that your joy may be full. John 16, 24, it says that your joy may be full. So I believe when we look at this portion of scripture, we see this heart that Jesus has for his followers. He wants his followers to have their hearts full of joy. That's what we're called to. That's what we're to experience. Now, remember that number between 1 to 10 where you rated yourself, your personal joy? I'm sure it's safe to assume that most of us are falling short of putting 10. Uh, what is going on in your life right now in your heart that keeps you from being able to say, I'm a 10? Maybe it's this ongoing pandemic and all of the implications that it has for our lives. Maybe it's a, a relationship situation. You're dis disappointed by someone. Maybe it's family or financial stress that's going on in your life right now. Perhaps it's the recent events that are in your city and injustices, different things that are happening, things that we just can't believe as we look at the news and all the world is watching Minneapolis right now. Well, today here in John 16, Jesus is preparing his disciples for what is to come after his resurrection from the dead and when he leaves the earth. 
because Jesus knows that a difficult season is on the horizon for his disciples, for his followers, and he wants them to be ready. They will be kicked out of the synagogue. Their lives will be in danger. They will be persecuted. They will feel alone. They're going to be discouraged. But through it all, Jesus wants them to pursue joy. Through it all, pursue joy. So I believe this passage is very relevant for us right now as his followers. Whatever kept us, whatever kept me from saying number 10, no matter what is happening, he wants us as his followers, as the church, to pursue joy. So very quickly, we're going to talk about four lessons about joy. Four simple lessons about joy. First, we'll talk about the promise of joy. Second, we'll look at the pattern of joy. Third, power of joy. And fourth and finally, uh, perfection of joy. So promise, pattern, power, perfection. Let's, Let's look at these four things together. We'll just take a moment on each one. So first of all, let's think about promise of joy. In verse 20, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, Christian, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Now, I want to emphasize here that this verse says your sorrow, it will turn into joy. Notice that it's a definitely will. It's not saying that it's a possibility. It's a certainty. It's a promise that Jesus gives. And we can believe that sorrow, not someone else's sorrow, not his sorrow or her sorrow, we can believe my sorrow will turn into joy. Remember, Jesus is preparing his followers for life without him and what they're going to face. People trying to kill them. There is going to be sorrow. And he begins here saying, you're going to weep and lament. But the promise of certainty is that sorrow will turn into joy. Joy is always promised if you are in Christ. If you are a believer, if you are a child of God, joy is always promised. Revelations 21.4 says, he, meaning Jesus, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed. So our joy, friends, is not a possible joy. Our joy is not a probably joy. Our joy is a promised joy. You know, as I shared Um, As Pastor Jung shared, our family recently moved here to Atlanta from Madison, Wisconsin. Um, We loved living in Madison. I I really thought that that was the place that we were going to finish our lives and die and all that. Um, But I have to say there are definitely, we miss Madison so much, but there are definitely some benefits also of living here in Atlanta. Now, one of the most important benefits is the incredible access that we didn't have in Madison, the incredible access to Korean food. I'm Korean. I love Korean food. So in Madison, we we always had heard about this thing called 
Korean fried chicken. Okay. You know, we would watch people on these Korean TV shows and dramas who eat Korean fried chicken. But in Madison, all we really had was Kentucky fried chicken. So when we moved here and we were on our way in our car from Madison, do you know what address? This is no joke. Do you know what address I set onto my Google Maps GPS? I didn't set the address of the new house that we had bought and that we're moving into. We set on our GPS the address of the restaurant nearby that sells Korean fried chicken. It was a, a 12 hour drive, but I made it through that drive because there was promised joy at the end of this journey. The, I know that's silly, but the journey of our lives is often filled with discouragement, disappointment, and despair. But there's something on the end of the journey that we're looking forward to. And Jesus promises that our sorrow, and some of us, some of you may be going through incredible sorrow, he promises us that he will wipe every tear and our sorrow will turn into joy. And so please believe that we live as children of a promise, a promise that was given to our first parents, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, a promise that has been seen through Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This promise is yours. This promise is for you and me. So it's a promised joy. Next, not only is a promise joy, but secondly, we want to talk about how it's also a pattern of joy. When we look at the same verse, again, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. So again, see the same verse. Now see how there's a pattern to this. First, there is sorrow, and secondly, there is joy. I wish there wasn't that first part, but the chronology is very important. Sorrow is followed by joy. There are some false teachers nowadays <clears throat> who proclaim that Christians can expect everything in life to be painless and prosperous. But when we look at the scriptures, Jesus seems to make clear that we will experience a pattern that involves sorrow that leads to joy. This is the pattern of the Christian life. Some of you are experiencing this right now. There is Friday suffering, then Sunday resurrection. There is a price paid on the cross. There is the prize received in Christ. There is sorrow in this world, and there is joy in the next. We have seasons of spiritual winter when our relationship with God is hard, but then we have seasons of spiritual spring when God feels so alive in our hearts. And so what kind of times, what kind of season are you going through right now? Are you going through that season of sorrow? But let me encourage you, the pattern is that though you may face that now, hang in there because the pattern of life means that joy is on the horizon. Joy is coming in the morning, even in this life as well. So there's a pattern. So we talked about the promise. Secondly, we talked about this pattern of joy. Now, third, I want to talk about the power of joy. 
Here's an illustration that Jesus gives. He says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So Jesus, who uses illustrations all the time, <clears throat> talks about a mother giving birth. This mom is going to be in anguish and pain and sorrow as she goes through the suffering of labor. But as soon as this child is born, as soon as she sees this baby and holds this baby and hears this baby crying, in that moment, all of her pain and anguish is forgotten. And she is overcome with joy. Her joy is so powerful that it allows her to forget all the screaming, crying, and cursing out her husband that she just did. Now, it doesn't mean her pain is really gone because she's still bleeding. She's still in need of help here, but her joy overpowers all of that anguish. That's powerful, isn't it? That's how powerful this joy that Jesus wants us to have, that Jesus is talking about, that Jesus makes available for you and I, that's how powerful it is. This joy is so powerful that this woman can go through this pain. The power of joy strengthens her, strengthens us to face whatever pain may come. Jesus this today wants us to know this power of joy too. Jesus wants us to know that whatever pain we are facing and whatever pain we may have to go through and whatever pain we are in the midst of, this power of joy can overcome all of that. You know, so many times we look so much at the pain and we don't look at the joy, but when we look at the joy and we see this promise and this pattern of joy and the power of this joy, it can many times overcome all of that anguish and pain. Doesn't mean it's gone, but that becomes our focus. Um, one of the things again about moving down here, <coughs> I miss I miss Madison in many ways, but. I have to say, in all honesty, one of the things that I do not miss is, is all the, the cold and snow that we had in states like Minnesota and Wisconsin. Um, as I became older, uh, I must say that I was becoming a grumpy old man whenever it became cold and was snowing in Madison. And I think about shoveling. I think about putting salt in the sidewalk. I think about slipping. And it became like, I don't want to go out in the cold if I don't have to. I don't want to slip on the sidewalk. I don't have to wipe off my car again, scrape the ice, all those things. And so seeing snow became downright painful for me at times to think about. But, you know, it's different. It's all about perspective, isn't it? As a child, your perspective is so different sometimes because of the purity of your heart. And uh, I just want to show you this video. I hope it's going to work. There's no sound, so don't worry about the sound. Just a one-minute clip. This is of my daughter 
playing in the backyard a couple winters ago. I hope this works here. The reason that there's no sound to this video is because I'm not outside. <laughs> I'm recording this from inside the window because I just wanted to stay inside because I didn't want to face the cold, the pain of that cold. Now, when I was watching my daughter out there, I she was this was a frigid day and she was out there for such a long time. She didn't feel the cold because she was having so much fun. And as I watched her, her joy was so powerful to me. She was doing, doing this again and again and again. And me, the grumpy old man who doesn't want to get bundled up and go outside. As I watched her, her joy overcame my desire to avoid going out there. And so what I did is I bundled up and I went out there and I rode the sled too with her. Sorry, there's no video of that, but I rode the sled. I probably broke the sled, but I rode the sled too. But my point is that there's power in joy. When we have joy, that's what the world needs to see. No matter what pain and anguish is going on around us, the world is to see this joy that Jesus offers to us and that we can experience. The power of joy allowed me to face that cold and snow. So what, what pain are you facing this season? May you experience the power of this joy to face, overcome, and go through whatever pains are in this life right now. So first, we saw the promise of joy. Second, we saw the pattern of joy. Third, we saw the power of joy. Fourth, and finally, we'll see the perfection of joy. Look at verse 23. It says, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Can you imagine? Like, you don't need to pray for anything. You will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name right now, he will give it to you. So in that day is talking about when we see him face to face. There will be nothing to pray about because we will be there. Can you imagine when everything is made perfect? You don't need to pray because everything is perfect. You don't need to repent because sin is no more in your heart. You don't need to ask God for anything because death, disease, sickness, poverty, racism, pain is no more and redemption is complete. But until then, he tells us, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, this is not a warrant to get whatever you want just because we pray for it. You know, we learn from the Lord's Prayer the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done. So asking or praying is to take place in the context of building his kingdom. It's not for your selfish wants, but it's about building his kingdom, living for him. But Jesus is explaining that until now he's been with them, but he's going to leave. They need to ask, which means pray in Jesus' name. And what do they need to pray for? They need to pray for whatever is needed to expand the kingdom and to do his work and to show this world the power of joy. Jesus is saying that this is how our joy will be full because we are asking and praying in Jesus' name 
and consumed with living for something that is far greater than ourselves. It's when we are consumed with building our Father's kingdom and praying prayers of joy accordingly. That's why John 15 emphasizes how joy through the word in us, that joy was through the word in us. John 16 emphasizes that joy is through the prayers that we lift up. So perfection of joy that's taking place as we are being filled with the word and as we are praying, John 15, John 16. So remember, Jesus desires for our joy to be full. Many times we are so busy with our careers and our lives and our personal things. We are so busy building our own kingdoms. We struggle. We get frustrated when things don't go go our way. We're living lives of disappointment, discouragement, because it's all about ourselves. But when your heart's orientation is to live for his kingdom, life takes on a different simplicity and sense of purpose. And you're able to experience a fullness of joy that's not possible when you're just living for yourself. So that's what he's talking about. He's perfecting us, a perfection of joy that's coming. So as we think about this passage, we talked about four things. There's a promise of joy. This promise is for you. There's a pattern of joy. There's hardship. There's anguish. But there's joy in the horizon. There's a power in joy. Joy overcomes whatever you're going through right now, whatever pain, whatever hardship, whatever disappointment, whatever discouragement. There's a power of joy that overcomes. There's a perfection of joy. He's working on us. He's changing us. And in that day, everything would be made right. Um, If I can just close with this story. um, You know, we, we live in a world right now that is just out of control, it seems like, in many ways. Um, All kinds of things happening. Shootings seem to be happening left and right. Um, Disappointments in our personal lives, all these things. But I think about this story these days, and it encourages me. And, you know, many times we also just get frustrated because we're living for ourselves. And so years ago, I was serving at a church in, in Philadelphia. And what happened was, the church was growing. It was on the UPenn campus. And then we decided that we were going to start a, a second location in the in the suburbs of Philadelphia. So the, the senior pastor and I, we, we got together and we, we drove out. We looked at some different churches that we could ask them maybe to borrow for our service. And then what happened is we went to this one church and we really liked it. We thought, could we meet in this church for our afternoon service? And so they said, yes, this is possible, but we would like you to meet with the small group of elderly women in our church. And if they say yes, we'll, we'll let you do it. So I remember feeling so excited and going into this room and, and meeting the, the small group of four women, old, uh, old women, gray hairs, wrinkles, just godly women, so beautiful. And these, these women were such close friends because they had journeyed through life together in many ways. They had seen their husbands die. They had gone through all sorts of hardships with their children. They had gone through ups and downs in life. And I'll never forget that meeting because they shared something with me that has stuck to me to this day. 
And what I'll remember from that meeting is the name of their group, the name of their little group was, was Joy. And so me and my senior pastor, we asked them, hey, could, you, could we ask you, why, why is your group named Joy? Well, they explained to us that Joy was an acronym they were using, and it was J-O-Y, and it meant Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. And so these women who were at the end of their journey, they were living and they realized that the most important thing to do is to always put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. And that was the secret of their journey. I have wrestled all my life because I've tried to find joy in so many different things. But again and again, I always go back to that story because when I get done trying to live for myself and find joy in all of the stuff around me, I'm reminded of that story of how you really experience joy. You know, some of us, we, we mix it up, right? It might be yourself first, others second, and then Jesus last. Or you might try it another way. You might try others first. So worried about different causes and different things, which is okay. But it's others first, and then sometimes it's Jesus second. And we, we, we might even put ourselves last. But it still doesn't work out to be joy. And it's only when you get the order right, when you make it about Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. That's when it's right. That's when it works. That's when we experience the fullness of joy, when we worship. And from that worship, it flows to others. And it's not about ourselves. It's about loving God and loving others. So today, as we spend this time together, I just want to encourage all of you, just evaluate yourself. On a scale of 1 to 10, why couldn't you put 10? Maybe it's because you're, you're getting this wrong. Maybe you need to recalibrate a little so that it's Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And he wants you and I to experience this fullness of joy. Can we pray for a moment together? Just pray for just a brief, brief moment. Thank you for letting me share with you. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I could just encourage you today. And um, so many of you are figuring out your lives, figuring out your next steps, figuring out the future, figuring out what's going to happen post-pandemic. And there's so many things that get our attention. But let's make sure that it's always about Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. That's when you experience the fullness of joy. And this joy, this joy, it is promised to you. This joy always comes in the morning. This joy is powerful. And this joy is perfecting you to be more like him. You just take a few brief moments to pray. And then I'll turn it over to Pastor Jung to lead us and Pastor Aiden, whoever's going to lead us. But just take a few brief moments to pray. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for just this worship service today. 
or sometimes it's it's always it's always hard to be thankful when we are going through tough stuff. It's hard to be thankful for a season of pandemic. It's hard to be thankful for financial struggles. It's hard to be thankful when there's crisis all around us. But Lord, help us in the midst of all these things that we're going through, that maybe this is something that you are working in the midst of so that we can recalibrate, we can reorient, we can re-examine our own hearts to see what really matters to us. We pray that you would just do something within us so that we look at ourselves and we decide and we choose that it's not for ourselves first, it's not for others first, but it's for you first and ourselves last that we will live because that is the only way to experience the fullness of joy. I pray for myself. I pray for all these precious brothers and sisters at CLC that together that would be how we live. We live for you alone. We live for you first and foremost. And that flows in our love and service to others. And God, help us, bless us, strengthen us, empower us so that we can experience the fullness of joy that you want your followers, your disciples to experience, not only in the world to come, but even just powerful glimpses of it, even now in this life as we face it every day. At this time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the incredible, awesome, unconditional love of God, may the fellowship, strengthening, empowerment, presence of the Holy Spirit be with you all, CLC, now and forevermore. Amen.